Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the J&J Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Jaworski, joined, as always, by my good friend, Justin Carroll. Justin, how are you on this Monday night? Oh, man. You know, I had a pretty breezy day coming into this fine Monday of, what? what's today's day? I'm losing track. The 18th. The 18th. And, oh, my. I was so relaxed until I saw this episode of Raw. And I texted you before this saying, I'm already dreading this. And you said the same. I kind of wake up on Monday and I go, oh, I have to watch three hours of Monday Night Raw tonight. <laughs> Every Monday. That's the same thing with me. <laughs> as soon as I get out of bed, I literally go, oh, must be Monday. I, literally, I'm not even lying to you. The first thing that <laughs> I said to my dad this morning was, we're going to have to watch three hours of Raw. And he said, oh, it has a bit dreadful. And I said, from the tone of my voice, I can only assume so. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like the commercial I, I just did. It's like, uh, feel really down on a Monday morning. Must be Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Dreading Monday Night Raw already? Must be Monday. It's, it's, it's uh, having nightmares about the Iconics? Must be Monday. <laughs> Hate seeing Charlotte Flair three times a week. Must be Monday. <laughs> no, it must be Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They're getting to see Zelina Vega on TV four times in one day. <laughs> must be Monday. Must be Monday. <laughs> okay. Getting to watch three hours of wrestling. Must, must be, be Monday. Monday. Okay, anyway. So, anyway, uh, it must be Monday because it is Monday. <laughs> Monday the 18th. And we have another fantastic edition of Monday Night Raw that I'm sure millions upon millions of people were excited to watch, too. Uh, another week in the pandemic era of wrestling. Uh, I think we're right upon, like, week eight or so. Uh, I went away on March 13th. That was the first raw uh smackdown without fans so uh so 13th would be what was two months last week so it's going to be nine weeks week nine of pandemic era wrestling hasn't gotten any better uh it was much worse or well i mean what, what would you say about the whole pandemic era of wrestling and pandemic era by the way i'm going to trademark because i haven't heard anybody say it and we are in the <laughs> pandemic era of wrestling they say the attitude era. They say the ruthless aggression era. They say the PG era. This is the pandemic era, officially dubbed by me. Trademark, copyright, J and J Wrestling. You better file for that pronto. But man, with this whole pandemic era, in all honesty, I think it has given some good opportunities for some. I don't know exactly how to word this, but it's given opportunities to some people that wouldn't really get it. Like, Tamina's gotten an opportunity. Uh, Liv Morgan's sort of coming out of her shell because I don't really feel like she was much... Well, she wasn't really used throughout Raw. Like, Ruby Riot's the same way. She's been on a lot more. Um, Natalia has. Uh, who on SmackDown? I guess Otis has been used more. Um, you know, just so many more personalities coming onto TV more often that are possibly going to make new stars in the future. But also with the little things that have sort of made this pandemic era of wrestling great, 
is the talking throughout the match. You can actually hear what these people are saying. So I know I'm pretty high when Ruby Riot has done it. I think that's one of her only better things she does in wrestling, in all honesty. <laughs> uh, King Corbin does the same, which is great. Uh, I can't really think of who else really does it. R-Truth did it a little bit tonight, but it definitely has given some great opportunities for some different things. Yes, uh, you couldn't have put it better yourself. It's given some great opportunities for, for some better things. And uh, I think you might have been more referring to, you know, wrestlers who wouldn't really get a shot if, if this hadn't happened. And obviously they're on a limited uh, roster. But, uh, yeah, it, yeah, it's definitely opened up some avenues for some different guys that wouldn't have gotten the same uh, TV shake if, you know, Everybody wasn't sent home. Well, not everybody, but most of the roster wasn't sent home and or released. But uh, either way, uh, you were speaking of new stars, and we'll get right into Monday Night Raw for May 18th. Uh, we talked about an old star in Becky Lynch, and if you didn't know, she's pregnant. Yay. <laughs> you couldn't have, I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, <laughs> they go over last week of how well, first, they, it was a long, it seemed like a long promo. Uh, it was five segment. minutes. It was a five-minute segment, okay, a promo for her of how great she is. And it's only been a little more than a year. And they're talking about all this time during the SummerSlam and WrestleMania and all her title defenses. And the man comes around and she's in the truck and uh, whatever. They go to the segment last week where she comes out with a briefcase. Oscar comes out, blah, blah, blah. Oscar obviously gets crowned champion. You're going to be a warrior and I'm going to be a mother. That was what she said. Uh, Becky, to put it briefly. Becky. <laughs> That's what, he sh what she said to put it briefly. And uh, we opened the show. But uh, this whole Becky deal, I'm sick of it already. I mean, it was like <laughs> six or seven times uh, last episode. And uh, we put a little counter together. I said it, they would mention her being pregnant four times in the show. You said five. And uh, not to spoil it or anything, but she got mentioned more than four times. I win. I win. Five whole times Becky Lynch was mentioned that she's pregnant. We get that she's pregnant. We understand that Oscar is now the Raw Women's Champion. We don't need to keep on talking about it. I think if they mentioned it maybe twice throughout the show, I would have understand. Well, would have understood, I should say. But for them to keep on constantly mentioning this is just getting so old. It's sort of taking out the, oh, wow, Becky's um, pregnant, but now she's going to be gone for a while. Oh, man, I'm going to miss her. Seeing these, like, hearing them mentioning about it, seeing these video packages about Becky being, you know, leaving and whatnot, makes me already not miss Becky in a sense. And I sort of teased at what I wanted to say about Becky on Friday night's edition of SmackDown. Well, that should, should have been on Saturday. But anywho, let me say what I was going to say. I think Becky Lynch should retire after this. What else is there for her to do? You have a great point there. Uh, Nothing. I don't think... I don't think the women's division will be as hyped ever again. Not main event of WrestleMania. Unless you have Ronda come back and you need to build it 
to the most extent you could because I think, you know, Ronda as a big name, you know, she can sell a pay-per-view, there's no doubt. But to have that build like they did between Becky and Charlotte, you know, this time last year or, you know, uh, uh, like, what, what would it be? A year and a month ago now? Ago? Yeah. More than a year ago that the steam they, they the three of them had, and especially Becky, the run she had at that point. I mean, it, it would be tough for them to see main event again. Obviously, they'd see good time on Mania now, but main event, and to the extent they were, you know, brought into the spotlight last year, I, I don't think we'll ever see that again. I think that that whole woman's, you know, revolution, quote unquote, came to the full head last year at Mania. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt there. I honestly believe that the woman's revolution sort of peaked. Once they main evented WrestleMania, obviously main eventing WrestleMania is such a huge deal. And Becky to accomplish as much as she has within, I believe it's two years of being the man. What else is there for her to do? She's main evented WrestleMania. Enough already said. That is the first time women have ever main evented WrestleMania. And she was a part of it. She's been champion for over, I believe it was... Well, it must have been over a year, I believe, but it's just, I don't know. There's, I believe that there's nothing else for Becky to do. She's already been at the top. She should retire at the top. Won the, won the Royal Rumble, not to mention. Won the Royal Rumble. I believe SmackDown Women's Champion at one point as well. Yep, she was both of them. She, she won the winner-take-all thing. Yeah. And she was well, SmackDown Champion even before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I meant to say before that. But... There's nothing else for Becky to do. She should just retire. Just live off Seth's money. Or she, I mean, she would still get paid by WWE, obviously. But I just think Becky should retire on top like Shawn Michaels sort of did. Last question before we move on from Becky and get on with the rest of the show. Shoot. What do you, what do you think of our uh, good pal, old James E. Cornette's comments towards Becky Lynch in her pregnancy? Okay, so... I was actually out when I was listening to this. So I didn't really catch upon anything that Jim Cornette really said because I was too distracted with everything going on. But can you sum it up for me? And then I can just shut up tell you my answer. Basically, he said there was no problem with her getting pregnant, obviously. But he was making a big point of how convenient a time it was. And now with the money she's made, he was throwing around $1 million and whatever the deal was there and uh yeah he he uh he got a quick very 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 uh loud response from it all and uh people had a lot to say on what old james e Cornette had to say about lynch's pregnancy more of the fact of how convenient quote unquote the timing of it was i wouldn't necessarily Excuse me. I wouldn't necessarily say it was convenient. It's more, it's just a decision that Seth and Becky had. Like, obviously, Becky's a millionaire. She's admitted it, I'm pretty sure. Seth Rollins is a top guy, obviously making over a million dollars. But I wouldn't necessarily say it's convenient. I mean, it's up to them if they really want to have a kid. So, did let me ask you this really quick. Did he receive more backlash for this or the comments that he said about Dana Brooke? I didn't see what he said about Dana Brooke, honestly. Oh, 
Jeez, I think, really? I think that I think that might have been today, right? No, I think it was on the same uh, the same like episode of the podcast. But she, he basically said that Dana Brooke. I don't. This is Jim Cornette's words, not mine. Not mine. I can't talk today. That Dana looks like her face was put on fire and try to put it, like try to get it out with an axe or something along <laughs> those lines. Oh, so geez. I was like, oh my god, how disrespectful. Well, like, what, what he said about Lynch, I'll read the comment now. Uh, this is from the Mix Net, which I don't know why they were reporting on wrestling. Obviously, they have no sense of what wrestling is, probably. So, of course, they're going to go after Cornette. But anyway, what he said, you can't always be on top of the wrestling business in a $1 million a year spot or more. But you can have a baby. What is she? Can she be 30? Well, still, she's got many more years before the expletive easy bake oven gets shut off. Oh, she can she can have all those problems like a descended stomach and stretch marks and hemorrhoids and hormone problems and mood swings and all those other joys of motherhood later on when she ain't making a million dollars a year. She's got plenty of time left. What would you do if your wife came home instead of instead of making a million dollars next year? I'm basically just going to be a raging uh, blank for the next nine months and then give you more blank to worry about around the house. Oh, um, man. Jim Cornette. I didn't remember everything being that bad, but... Yeah, I don't really like remember him saying all that quote-unquote negative stuff. Not to say that it's good what he said, but it's pretty rude. Like, Obviously, it's up to Becky if she wants to have the baby. And it's up to Seth as well. So, let them be. Like, it's... I don't want to trash on Jim Cornette or anything. But it's sort of like their business, you know? If they can financially just stay stable and whatnot, then it's all okay. Like, it doesn't really matter all that much. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. It looks worse on paper, obviously. Yes. But, uh... I mean, in the sense of for Cornette, though, I mean, he's going to get more clicks now. He's going to get more mentions. So, uh, an oh, older yeah. guy in wrestling, definitely still having a following, A, and B, just having all these people get his, na- get his name back in the uh, scene. I mean, it'll only keep him even more relevant than he is now. But uh, anyway, uh, we're going on too long about this now. We'll get right into it here for this episode of Monday Night Raw. We have uh, McIntyre versus King Corbin, as advertised last week. How lame. Anyway, that's okay. Uh, first, we open the show with Randy Orton coming out for an interview. Uh, mentions World Wrestling Entertainment. I'm sure he'll get slapped with a fine or slapped on the wrist somehow for, for mentioning wrestling in an enter- sports entertainment show. But uh, he basically calls out Edge. Uh, Edge later on interrupts, of course, uh, because, uh, hello. Uh, they keep throwing around that they're going to have the greatest wrestling match ever. And uh, this is before Edge finally and surprisingly, quote-unquote, accepts Randy Orton's challenge for backlash. And they're billing this as the greatest wrestling match ever. Uh, hello? Who in the right mind is calling Edge against Randy Orton at backlash the greatest wrestling match ever? If they are advertising this as the greatest wrestling match ever, why not put it on WrestleMania? That only makes sense. It's WrestleMania. 
hint, hint. For them to keep on calling this the greatest wrestling match ever, of course everyone's going to have high standards for this match. Obviously, it won't be like an Okada and Omega, or it won't be uh, like another classic, Brett and Sean. It'll never be anything close to what Edge and Randy Orton are going to do at, um, what's the pay-per-view? Backlash again, right? Backlash. So, oh, yeah, Backlash. So, it's just, it's a dumb tagline for a match that already happened at WrestleMania that was way too long and should have just stayed at WrestleMania instead of continuously trying to, well, not continuously, but after the, like, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to say, I think it's unnecessary for Edge and Randy Orton to have another match after their 40-minute long match at WrestleMania. Yeah, you couldn't have said it better there. I mean, 40 minutes, that, that match was forever. I thought like it was the whole show. But, uh... Oh, it, it was. It was so, so long. It's just dreadful. Like this episode of Raw. But I, I think it'll be a different element with them just one-on-one in the squared circle. I think it'll bring a different element to it. I think it'll be good. I think it'll be much better than whatever that was at Mania. But, I mean, you're right. I mean, do they have to do this out again? It's like rolling, like, two old guys out of bed to, like, watch them play, like, cards or something. Like, do we really need to do this every day? I mean, it's not, it's not to say that Edge and Randy Orton are both not good. Obviously, they're great. They're both established. It's just I don't want to see these guys wrestle again. After I pretty much kept on saying, oh, my God, he got up, like, before 10. Are you kidding me? At their last man standing match at Mania. So why would I want to watch another, I would say, probably a 30-minute match at Backlash just for, you know, edge to pin Randy Orton? It just doesn't make sense. I'm not, I'm not too excited about it. I think it will be good, but I'm just not excited about it. I'm not not excited about it, but I'm, like, not like jumping out of my seat for it. That's for sure. But uh, yeah. moving on, that'll probably be, well, that will be at the Backlash pay-per-view. I'm not sure exactly of the date with everything going on. So we'll have to wait and see. I'm sure it'll be in June sometime. Anyway, Seth uh, gets recapped of him, you know, hurting Ray's eye last week. They made up some baloney injury probably. I'm not really sure what exactly it was. Backstage, we see Seth and Murphy. Uh, Seth puts his hand on Murphy's shoulders. He says he had a revelation, and uh, he brings Murphy out to the ring. They have a segment there, and, uh, I mean, Murphy looked like the Hamburglar at McDonald's. I know you said I'm going to steal Oh, you stole my joke. He looked like the Hamburglar with all those orange and purple and yellow and brown and whatever suit deal he had on there for his Okay, let me say my joke, because you totally stole mine. I Buddy did, Murphy, but you texted me, so it's fair game. It is not fair game, unless sure you is. copyrighted it, like you said you were gonna with uh, whatever you said earlier. <laughs> but I basically said, Buddy Murphy, or excuse me, Murphy, has these strips of like glass, like the Monday Night Messiah. It sort of looks like that color, and it's just red and orange, and I said it looks like he tore up mcdonald's happy meal boxes and then just glued it onto his black jacket that's pretty much what it looked like it sort yeah, of looked, so it, it popped, yeah it was a, i would say it's it's a stained glass window that's for all the folks that go to church 
I'm not yes. calling anybody out. Not calling anybody out. Some people, you know, I've been, I've gone to church once or twice, but uh, stained glass window kind of deal. That's what they were going for, obviously. But uh, yeah, it looked like McDonald's. All those guys like Hamburglar and Grimace, they all just threw up, and that was my his boy ring Grimace. Gear. <laughs> yeah, they, it literally looked like his ring gear. But uh, Seth has a revelation. He says says it to the crowd. He fell into a dark place, but he he and uh, I can't even read my own handwriting here. He's seen something. I wrote. He's seen the light. He said he was in. He fell into a dark place, and he saw the light. And uh, he said, what happened to Ray was necessary. And he said, Ray, you're welcome for what I did. Uh, eventually, Umberto Carrillo interrupts and asks if Seth believes in what he's saying. Obviously, he is because he's Seth Rollins. And eventually, uh, Seth uh, gives up Murphy as a sacrificial lamb to have a match, even though he has one later tonight. He's going to have a match with Umberto Carrillo, Murphy and Carrillo after the commercial break. So then after this commercial break, we get into straight away Humberto and Murphy with Seth on the ringside. I don't even know if I used that right. But anywho, we get into the match. It's okay. Nothing too special happened. Humberto was going to go to the top, but uh, Seth was like staring him down. So Humberto hesitated. So he ends up uh, like jumping off the ropes and then Buddy Murphy hits the knee on him. I keep on calling him Buddy Murphy. That doesn't matter. But That's okay. Murphy, yeah, it, like, come on, give him a first name. And then Murphy ends up pinning Humberto with Murphy's Law, which is, like, where he grabs the dude in the suplex and then just, like, turns him to the side. It was an all right match. It didn't really do anything special. But um, he still attacks Humberto after the match happens. And then Alistair Black ends up coming out. And then, you know, it just ends up being the whole deal where it's like they play the music and then Alistair Black's just staring at him and then Murphy's walking back to the backstage area. But I do really quickly want to say, so I got to watch earlier in the day, I started to watch old Raws. So from, I started, it was the episode of January 6th, 1997. And so we have this storyline with, like, Bret Hart, Owen Hart, pretty much the whole Hart Foundation. And then we also get guys like Stone Cold, Sid Vicious, Undertaker. And so the episode, I think it was either that episode or the one after, Bret Hart ends up coming out, and then everyone's all confused. But I noted that they didn't play his theme music, but why did they have to play Aleister Black's theme music 20 years later? Hmm. You know? Hmm. Doesn't make sense. That's something I've always, well, we've always had a problem with. Like, when they go make the run out, why do you have to play the music? It's why? basically like, oh no, he's coming, do something. And of course, if you have that moment to think, you should obviously be able to capitalize on it. Not like, not, oh, I'm going to sit there dumbfounded, like this guy's going to come out and beat me up. Like, it's so much easier for a dude to just run out. We recognize who he is. And then he just ends up beating down on the dude or something like that. It's more, it gives it that more realistic feel instead of like, um, I don't even know how Alistair Black's theme song goes. It's like, do, 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 do. and then like he ends up beating up Murphy, you know? It just, it loses that oomph to it. 
Yeah, there's certainly it's certainly not a need for it. I don't think there ever has been. I mean, we watched the show. I mean, I can't imagine anybody new was watching wrestling nowadays. But, uh, hey, you never know. But definitely they don't need a need for – they don't need a need. They don't have a need for playing speed. their – Yeah, need for speed. They don't have a need for playing the entrance music when they're doing a run-in. But, anyway, we go to Baron Corbin backstage. Uh, he's talking down an agent. Then he talks down to a ref about how his people aren't bowing down to him uh, at Raw, even though Raw and SmackDown are in the same building. But that's uh, that's not the point here. Obviously, he's the king. People should be bowing down to him. Uh, after this, we see Liv Morgan. She's back, and her mother is her hero. Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, I wanted she- to note, too, that she said her mother didn't have much of a resume. Uh, hey, Ma, get a job. It's not that hard. Oh, Jawarski. Oh, my God. That is awful. Yeah, I got to tell you something after the podcast that happened today. I can't talk about it on the air. But she just says that she's like her mom. She's determined in that she will be champion one day. And then after this, Charlotte comes out. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, oh my <laughs> God. Just I don't want to see any more Charlotte now. I'm just sick of her. She's on all three brands. It's such a lame excuse to give a person the opportunity to be on all three brands. If Adam Cole's NXT champion, why can't he be on Raw and SmackDown? Pretty sure I talked about that last week. Why is Charlotte the only one who is a competitor for Raw, but is NXT Women's Champion and can also go to SmackDown? That doesn't make sense at all. It totally abuses the rules. I can't stand Charlotte on my TV anymore. It's just dumb. I don't even know what she was talking about when she was, um, you know, saying her stuff and whatnot. Ruby Riot ends up coming out. They end up having a match. And in all honesty, if there was two things that could save Ruby Riot from having a bad wrestling match, it's Samoa Joe on commentary and Charlotte Flair. It was okay. It's one of the better Ruby Riot matches that I've seen. But Charlotte just ends up making Ruby Riot tap out. We obviously all know that Ruby Riot isn't winning this match. Do you have anything to say about this? Yeah, I want to know where Ruby Riot got her haircut because I need one. <laughs> Sammy Guevara had a fresh cut on uh, AEW a couple of weeks ago, and I'm thinking to myself, man, where did you get that haircut? But yeah, hey, just, I think just because what? they're wrestling superstars doesn't mean they're better than anybody else, and they can't. They shouldn't be able to get a haircut either. I can't. They shouldn't. Okay, not fair. George, you shaved your head, though, no? Yeah, but, it, it you know, uh, hair grows back, my friend. Yeah, I'm what? still young. I'm still young where it grows back. So, surprisingly, it grew back. That, that explains the gray in your mustache, huh? Well, I don't know how that got there. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> I don't know how that got there, but uh, zing. Good one. Anyway, uh, yeah, I need a haircut. So, I did too. I don't know where she got hers. Maybe I need to fly down to Florida for one. Anyway, you ask her where she got her makeup. Yeah, why wouldn't? <laughs> <laughs> she sure as hell didn't get it at uh, Forever Twenty One. That's for sure. Or James Charles makeup palette. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. She she got a uh, hot topic. Seven Eleven. Or hot topic. <laughs> Spencer's. Spencer's. Oh, Spencer's. Yeah. Don't get me started. 
that's what she got. Anyway, uh, and then they advertised uh, the Street Profits versus the Viking Raiders in an axe-throwing <laughs> competition. Don't get me started. You're, you already told me I have to review this, so I'm obviously going to trash on it. He has to review it because I didn't watch it because it's not wrestling. And if one of us didn't watch it, then we would have a problem. So uh, Justin is the sacrificial lamb in this case, and he watched uh, the axe-throwing slash slinging, hash-bringing, axe-throwing <laughs> competition. Uh, anyway, uh, so Charlotte wins, obviously. Bobby and MVP talk about whatever. Uh, probably MVP being Bobby's manager. Uh, then we recap the basketball uh, game last week uh, between the Street Profits and Viking Raiders. These are wrestlers, people. Uh, they're playing basketball and they're doing axe throwing. And then they do something. You know, the Street Profits are coming up on whatever uh, the Viking Raiders are doing at the axe throwing party or whatever you want to call it. Uh, they go on to there, and we have a uh, to-be-continued. Yeah, that's all I watched about that. Then we had the Oscar appreciation ceremony, and I wrote three words to describe, or three words that I asked what was happening on my TV. Can you guess what they are? What's she saying? I said, what the hell? So that's pretty close. Oh. Uh, so there, there was a mix of Kyrie's broken English, which I applaud her for doing the best she can. Uh, then we had Oscar come out in her broken English, trying the best she could. And then we had Japanese, right? It's Japanese, so I don't get a hate crime. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. They start speaking Japanese. Uh, and then they start playing the recorder. Uh, and then Nia Jax comes out. And she goes splat on the floor. That was a loud splat, by the way. It was a loud splat, but I, I texted you. I said... That bump to the floor sounded amazing for some reason. And I was like, oh, man, she really hit the floor hard. To me, nothing too great about this other than Asuka being now a Grand Slam champion. That being she has won the NXT Women's Championship. She has won the NXT Women's... Oh, no, wait, not the NXT Women's. Just the Women's Tag Team Championships. She has won Money in the Bank now. She has been a SmackDown Women's Champion and is now the newly crowned Women's Champion of Raw. And I think it's a great accomplishment that she's been able to do all this. I don't know who else could possibly do this. I mean, thinking in NXT right now, I don't think there's any girl right now that could possibly be a future Grand Slam Champion. That was just a little thing that I noted. Um, I actually... <laughs> for. Kyrie playing the recorder. I actually still have mine from third grade when I played Hot Cross Buns, and I was trying to find it in my closet, but I couldn't. So I really wish I was able to, but I just didn't, sadly. Mine's actually right in this drawer to my left. Uh, I can play it <laughs> if you want. Do it. I want to hear some Hot Cross Buns. I We're getting play. so oh, off yeah. topic. B-A-G, baby. B-A-G. The, the E-S-T of playing the recorder. Oh, yeah. Whatever that means. Anyway, uh, Oscar appreciation ceremony. Uh, Oscar kicks Nia Jax to the floor. There's a gigantic splat noise. That was pretty cool. Splat. King Corbin does another, or is back on TV. He does an interview. Uh, I don't really recall what he said. I didn't write what he said down. Uh, but I'm, I'm sure it was something along the lines of that he made Drew McIntyre, and he was a follower. Anyway, he's correct. And we have a big, 
Then we have a Segmo. Segmo. Oh my gosh. Segment. Where'd that come from? Jeez. <laughs> Segmo. Tommy Arigato, Mr. Roboto. Uh, Kevin Owens is back with the KO show. Let's go. And uh, rather than having him right away, we have R Truth who's back again. All right. <laughs> so he pretty much. Well, we're getting into the match that he had with Bobby Lashley, correct? Yes. Okay. So, Pretty Ricky ends up appearing once again on the outside of the ring. Bobby Lashley tries to chase after him, returns back to R-Truth, and nothing too extravagant about this match. Just that... Okay. Full Nelson onto R-Truth. Then he, uh, Bobby Lashley ends up slamming him. Gets him back into the full Nelson just for R-Truth to tap out. Nothing too great about this, but I'm pretty sure MVP ends up coming out. And then as Alana is watching, she ends up spazzing in the back. She's throwing like a little bin and whatnot. And she's just freaking out that Bobby Lashley has pretty much found a new manager in MVP rather than Lana. Sad times for Lana there. Should have never dumped Rusev. Look what happened to Rusev now. What I know, shame. he got and caught. She, got caught. And now, she, and now she's kicked to the side. So, what a shame. Anyway, so, pretty Ricky, our truth's cousin, obviously. Uh, he, don't forget he called out Tom Brady. Don't forget Oh, that. yes, he did. He did, yes. A.K.A. Uh, Gronk. Uh, he met Gronk, obviously. And he's going to defend his 24-7... 48-7, I-95 South. Uh, I'm not even going to get into it. The 24-7 championship that he doesn't have. Uh, anyway, then we go back to Asuka and Kyrie backstage. Uh, Nia was lurking in the shadows. Uh, they didn't see her, and that will be a little foreshadowing, literally, for later on. We come back to the ring. We have the Iconics and Alexa and Nikki cross for the Women's Tag Team Championships. I was kind of excited to see this match. I thought we might have saw well. I thought we might have seen a change in the belts in this match, but I was mistaken. That's what I thought too. And I do really want to quickly just say the Iconics gear low key popped off. Did you note that? Yeah, the gold. I mean, the gold and then the white tops. Oh, man. I was like, oh, that looks super flashy. I sort of like that. Nothing too special about this match. Of course, there is nothing special about any match, ever. So, Alexa Bliss ends up hitting the Twisted Bliss onto, I believe it was Billy Kay. One, two, Peyton Royce breaks up the count and ends up being super aggressive with Alexa Bliss, which ends up getting her disqualified and end up making Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross the winners that meaning they retain the women's tag team championships. But that sort of came as a shock to me. I thought for sure the Iconics would have won the championships. Yeah, I, that was definitely weird to me as well. I mean, why just DQ them? I don't know why. I mean, do we really need that? I don't there was know. a lot of weird. DQs today. Like we, I'm, so, mm, I'm going to go through how many we have. But yeah, continue. Uh, we go on. Uh, Peyton Royce gets disqualified. Obviously, Alexa and Nikki retain the belts. Backstage, we see Kyrie practicing her recorder even more. Then she gets walloped from behind by Nia Jax. Uh, we move on. Then we see Billy and Peyton backstage. Billy is very upset. And she goes on to slap her partner, Peyton Royce, across the face. I must have missed that. I did not yeah. even note that. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. 
Very sad times there. And then we had a recap of Natty versus Shayna last week. And it was now, so good last week. We had to have a submission match between them again this week. All right. So nice. They did it twice. I do want to note there were only two DQs throughout the night, but I thought it was sort of a lot. For, well, for three hours, I would assume it's not, but to me, it was a little bit too much. So we're getting into. Oh, did you already Nat- mention Natty that? versus Shayna? What? Natty versus Shayna. Okay. Shayna tried to do the sharpshooter on Natalia, and then she pulls out of the hold. There's clearly no rope breaks in the submission match, so she really had to try to, you know, weasel her way out of the sharpshooter as Natalia was applying it to her. This match was honestly one of the more enjoyable matches, I thought. I mean, for me to say that I somewhat thought a Shayna match was okay, that is pretty big. I mean, I think you could definitely advise for me, but to me... Shayna isn't all that great, but for me to somewhat like this match is a pretty big deal. Oh, definitely. You liking anything Shayna does, that's definitely big. And uh, she she's had a good two-week span here. Uh, good match with Natty. Obviously, Natty's a great in-ring worker. But uh, her emotions over the past two weeks for Shayna, I mean, it's nothing we've seen before. And I'm very surprised, very shocked, but very impressed. And what we've seen for the past two weeks, if you can keep this up, I could have a different opinion overall. I could do a complete 180 on Shayna. I don't think that'll ever happen with me. I just, there's something about Shayna I just don't like. <sighs> okay. Well, hey, buddy, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. That is indeed true. But Shayna ends up catching Natalia in the sleeper which ends up making Natty tap out. And so after the match, obviously Shayna leaves, and then Natty is still stuck in the ring. And as she's still sitting in the ring, they're setting up for the KO show. And so they're trying to roll the mats over and whatnot, but Natty's in the ring, like, freaking out, kicking the ropes as they're setting up, like, the seats and the little banner of the KO show. She's throwing all that stuff to the outside. And then we end up seeing Andrade... Garza and Theory all arguing in the back and then Zelina tries to calm them down saying that we're okay as a faction and whatnot but oh, little did they know they ended up turning well not turning I shouldn't say turning well yeah turning on somebody I'm not going to spoil that just yet but then we get Kevin Owens on the KO show I was so glad to see Kevin Owens back I really didn't miss him I know he had an ankle injury after the match with Seth Rollins but I was totally super glad to see Kevin Owens back. One of the more enjoyable wrestlers on Raw. So we get the guest being Angel Garza, Andrade, Austin Theory, and Zelina. And they're all in the ring. Zelina invites Kevin Owens to come into the ring as he's standing on the apron. But he says that he doesn't want to get involved getting in the ring because it always leads to chaos. But he also doesn't want to stand in the ring because he has another guest coming out. That being Apollo Cruz, Then Apollo ends up running out and jumps Andrade, which gets us a tag team match of Kevin Owens and Apollo Cruz against Andrade and Angel Garza with Zelina Vega and Austin Theory on the outside. Yeah, I didn't really uh, get too excited to see Kevin Owens' first match back on Raw to be a tag team match with Apollo Cruz and Virgil. Oh, and uh, Andrade and 
Angel Garza because I feel like we've seen something of this match a million times already, but we have it again, and Kevin Owens is back, so I will be grateful. I will not complain any more than I have to, of course, but uh, <laughs> wasn't too much in this match. It was over pretty fast. Uh, Apollo and Owens. Uh, Apollo gets the victory with the spinning sit-out powerbomb he does. One, two, three. And we had a little uh, a little turn, like you said, at the end of this match between Zelina Vegas Stable and Garza, Theory, and Andrade. Everyone turns on Austin Theory. Did I expect this? A little bit. Was he sort of the outcast of the group because he wasn't Spanish? Yeah. So, Austin Theory throughout the match, well, not throughout the match, but during the match, he distracted Angel Garza, which ended up getting Apollo and Kevin Owens the win. So, Angel Garza and Andrade pretty much flip out on Austin Theory. They beat him up. Zelina pretty much tells him that he's useless. And so, Austin Theory is just sitting in the little, like, corner area, like the bellkeeper, I think is what they call it. So, then we get a little... A little talk from Drew McIntyre, pretty much just saying that there's a Claymore kick that has Corman's name on it. Then, okay, this was a little weird for me. I'm going to go more in depth about this later on. But, so we get back to the axe-throwing thing with Montez Ford, Angelo Dawkins, and the Viking Raiders. So, you know, the Viking Raiders are just nailing bullseyes, right? And then Montez just tries to throw it at the bullseye and ends up launching the thing. And then all the Vikings around him are just laughing. And I'm always just thinking to myself through this stuff, those are fake Vikings. Who's really a Viking in all honesty? This is just dumb. They look like Amish people. Like, it's just, there's no need for this. It's too outlandish for me. I just, I don't like it. But then, oh, wait, a little bit more happened throughout this. I thought this was something else. So then we get a little bit more of the Viking Raiders in Street Profits thing. And so Angelo Dawkins ends up breaking a barrel with the little axe thing that he had. And then the Vikings are all marching over like they're all mad and whatnot that they're losing water. And then, you know, Ivar and Eric have to hold them back like, whoa, guys, it's okay. It was just an accident. And then Montez and Angelo are just like, oh, man, uh, we really screwed up here. So then we get into... Oh, man, this is exhausting. We get into Alistair Black and Murphy's match. Keep in mind, Austin Theory is still sitting at the Bell's Keeper's time area, whatever that, Ring whatever key, you may the, call it. The timekeeper, not the Bell Keeper. The Bell Keeper works oh, at the a hotel. Oh, the timekeeper. Oh, <laughs> okay. So the oh, timekeeper's area. I, yeah, I know. I told you I'm tired. So then Seth Rollins ends up walking to Austin Theory, right? And so throughout this match, they weren't focusing too much on the match. They were more focusing on Seth Rollins just looking down at Austin Theory. So Seth puts his hand out, you know, his right hand with the glove on it, picks up Austin Theory and orders him to go into the ring and take out Aleister Black, which he ends up doing, which gets uh, Murphy disqualified, which makes Austin, I mean, I almost said Austin Theory, Aleister Black the winner. And so Seth pretty much directs, What's his face? Austin Theory. Theory. Yeah. Austin Theory and Murphy to just pretty much put a beating on Aleister Black. And so Seth ends up hugging Austin Theory. And then he lets him go and then just hugs him again. 
So to me, this obviously means Austin Theory is a new member of, I guess you can call it the Monday Night Messiahs. The Messiahs of the Monday Night Messiah? Apostles? I don't know. Sure. Anyway, uh, we'll go with that. Uh, either way, Austin Theory didn't take him long to find a new group there. Uh, we get into another interview with Apollo uh, before we get back into the Viking Raiders uh, uh, axe throwing competition. Uh, Zelina Vega interrupts, and we set up Apollo versus Andrade next week again. Uh, so it was good the first time, so we're going to see it again next week. But uh, before that, we have a little more of the axe-throwing competition that you are more than happy to uh, get in depth about. <laughs> Not. So let me get into this. Oh, my God. The Viking Raiders keep on drilling bullseyes. And then sort of like last week with um, Ivar sort of nailing that three and then they all freak out like they won and whatnot. And then the Street Profits are like, yo, we just won. Look at the scoreboard. So then the Viking Raiders end up pretty much doing that same thing. They finally get that one. But then the cops show up with the axe in their windshield. And they're just like, who did this? And I'm thinking to myself, if they really want to figure this out, they'll use forensic evidence and get fingerprints from that axe. We learned that in forensics. Ain't that right, Jaworski? Yes, but it's a axe through a windshield. No one got killed, so I think it's a little different case there. I'm not. I don't think they're gonna dust fingerprints off of an accident. So, <laughs> yeah, I know, my, I know. That's just my personal opinion. So, um, well, we actually have the Apollo thing that he challenges Andrade throughout this, but then we pan back to the Viking Raiders and Street Profits, and then the cops are pretty much just like. Oh, let's see which one of you actually did it. Throw it at the bullseye. And then the Street Profits end up nailing it. But then, you know, Ivar and Eric are just standing there. And they're trying to look, like, innocent and whatnot. And all, like, you know, manly. So then the woman cop ends up looking at Ivar and Eric. And then she decides to just let it go. Because she's into Ivar. And I'm thinking to myself, who the... <laughs> I heard you. Was that a gag I heard? Yes. So then they pretty much just let him go because she's into Ivar. And then she goes to Eric, you, not as much. And then the Street Profits are all like, oh. So then, you know, Ivar is obviously like, oh, yeah, I'm the man. Uh, uh, you know, a cop likes me. Who cares? He wasn't even that attractive anyway. So then we move into the main event of the evening with King Corbin and Drew McIntyre. But before the match even started, Bobby Lashley and MVP end up coming out. And Bobby Lashley puts Drew on notice because he wants a shot at that WWE championship, which I honestly believe at that, I would assume it's going to happen at Backlash. If that does, I would be pretty interested to see how that goes. I know you're definitely interested in the way that, you know, Bobby Lashley sort of needs to be in the title picture. I, I mean, you can elaborate on it if you want. I know you've sort of been into this. Yes, I've been saying for the past couple of weeks and they've been listening. Bobby Lashley needs to be somewhat a serious player here on Monday Night Raw now that we're so limited. There's only so many top-tier bad guys on Monday Night Raw that are on the show. I mean, none, nonetheless, that stay home uh, because of the pandemic. But now especially, I mean, Seth Rollins, yes, he's great. 
Obviously, we're not having Brock Lesnar come back anytime soon. So Seth is out now. We need another bad guy. Bobby Lashley's perfect. He has the star power. He has the name. He has the look. He's limited on the mic, but now that he has MVP, it's just that much better. He can work like a horse in the ring. I mean, there's nothing better than... I mean, Drew and Bobby will have a fantastic match. Indeed. So then we get into this match. It's just the main event. But I noted that Drew McIntyre loves kicking out at one. Did you notice that at all? Yes, I do. I do notice that. I did notice that. I do notice that over time. But I think it plays to him being like a legitimate champion, being a strong champion. And I kind of oh, like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do too. I think it's cool because it sort of gets him hyped up for the, uh, you know, the major comeback, almost like Hulk Hogan style where the dude would punch him. And then Hulk Hogan fires up and he's like, no, 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 no. Hits him again. And then he does the you thing. But this, you know, Drew kicking out at one, it sort of hypes him back up to really start getting back into the match against King Corbin. Nothing too, too great about this match. But Drew McIntyre tried to hit the Claymore kick. And I don't know if I've ever said this, but King Corbin's best move is the deep six. He hits that with perfection. I love that move. I'm not too heavily invested into King Corbin matches, but anytime he does that deep six, man, it just, it really attracts my eye. And I thought he nailed it with Drew McIntyre with a dude of, you know, his stature, just throwing around Drew like that, man. I thought it looked pretty sweet, but then we ended up getting the Glasgow kiss. Drew counts down the three, two, one, ends up hitting the Claymore kick and ends up pinning the SmackDown superstar King Corbin for the win. Yeah, great match. Uh, well, I wouldn't say great. It was good. I mean, yeah, it was, it was a main event. It was a main event. Obviously, main event isn't gonna shouldn't be bad, uh, especially with these two guys. As much as I don't like King Corbin, I obviously uh, respect and observe his uh, in ring work, which is very good. Not gonna lie, I can't discount that. Yeah. Just because he's a boring guy doesn't mean he's bad in the ring. But he does do the same stuff, so that's another point. But that's okay. But overall, good match. I like seeing Drew in the main event every week. It doesn't get old because you can always put someone else against him that'll put on a good match. I believe Drew is just one of those guys that can have a good match with pretty much anybody on the roster. I mean, I feel the same way about King Corbin. He can put on a pretty decent match with anybody. Granted, the match with Elias wasn't all that great, but it was still a decent matchup. Like, they're both competitors who are good in the ring. Obviously, Drew has more star power to him than King Corbin does. But that doesn't stop Drew from, I mean, uh, excuse me, Corbin from being a good competitor as well. But I was sort of hyped up for this match when I first heard about it. But I was, I'm just like, uh, keep SmackDown superstars on SmackDown and Raw on Raw. I sort of do hope with this. I'm just going to call it the wild card rule. I don't know if they have an official name for it yet. But I sort of do hope that we get a match, <laughs> as far as this may sound, a match out of AJ and Doe's, or Otis, I should say. Because you know how AJ sort of got screwed over? Like, he had the money in the bank, uh, briefcase, but it, like, slipped out of his hands, and then Otis ended up winning it. I think that could make a somewhat decent match. I mean, it would just be a different match overall for AJ. I think for Otis as well, but I would assume that that would be a pretty good match like this match was. Yeah, certainly. 
And uh, we'll have to see. I think it's like four. Did they say four times a year? I'm not sure if you heard of it. Something with that brand extension or brand. What do they say? Brand alone? Or they, they came up with some stupid name. Just say know. four times a year we'll switch people. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, overall, Wait, four Monday times a Raw, year they switch people? Four times. I was saying that, like, I was paraphrasing, but four oh, times oh, a year. They, okay. They said it, this happens four times a year now, I guess. Anyway. But, uh, okay. Just say that. They don't have to make up some ridiculous name for it. Not every time. I mean, oh, my God. Anyway, Monday Night Raw for May 18th, 1 to 10, 5 being average. What do you say? 4.2. Oh, that's very low. Yeah, it's just, I'll say it. I've said it once. I'll say it again. Three hours for any show. Way, way too much. The Viking Raiders Street Profit stuff is stupid. I hate it. Don't enjoy it at all. I don't know why Paul Heyman enjoys the Street Profits so much, but he does. We have mm, mediocre matches. Nothing too entertaining other than the main event and probably Shayna and Natty, which, from you know, coming from me is sort of big. But just not a good episode of Raw overall. I'm going to go with a 4.6. I was going to go 8, but I went 6. Uh, don't ask me why I went from 8 to 6. But, uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, <sighs> I need to stop. If I, if I wanted to waste my time, I'd waste <laughs> my time. I'd waste my time doing something else. Not watching oh, the show. That's for I sure. I thought you were going to say that if I really wanted to waste my time, I'd watch Monday Night Raw. <laughs> oh, yeah, that too. But uh, anyway, oh boy, I don't know how much longer I can do this. <laughs> how can you do this show after that voice crack, Jaworski? Come on. Send it home. Wrap it up. Uh, <laughs> wild card for the week. Pandemic era match. Which one? Is your favorite? We didn't really talk all too much about this, so I'm sort of excited what you're going to say. But for me, my favorite, favorite match out of the pandemic era, as you may call it, copyrighted, Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulak, who recently did not re-sign with WWE, which I think we sort of need to talk about. Not all too much, but Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulak had one hell of a matchup on SmackDown. To me, this match has only been the real standout match of them all. I don't think... Oh, wait. I didn't even count WrestleMania. Oh, my God. I mean, I'll still Duh. say... I didn't oh. even think about that. But for right now, I'll just say Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulak. They put on a great show. Anytime those two got into the ring, they just put on really good matches. The two matches that they had overall. But, man, that match was just terrific. So, uh, going with a show on free TV, uh, very ballsy, but uh, once again, uh, definitely, uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a match, that's for sure. I don't think it's the best one of this whole pandemic deal, but... Can I oh, guess what man. you're going to say? Where do I even start? Well, go ahead. Is it Charlotte and Rhea? No, I was thinking of that. Oh, okay, but okay. Not actually that match. 
Can you guess another one? Is it from Mania? No. Yes, no. No. Um, what show was it on? Was it on AEW? I'm just going to say. Yeah, please do. The Money in the Bank ladder match. Oh, my God. I almost said that, too. But I was like, oh, man, I don't know. I sort of did enjoy Gulak and O'Brien more. But that is a good choice. For everything that's happened during this whole ordeal, this match brought me the most laughs, the most enjoyment, and the most excitement. The Money in the Bank ladder match, the corporate ladder match, is my favorite match so far during the pandemic era of wrestling. Wow. And I cannot okay. put it any more softer. I cannot put it any better than that. That is my favorite match from the pandemic era. Besides, wow. besides Kenny Omega and Matt Hardy versus Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara and the no disqualification match on AEW. Uh. I'm just joking. That match was a car wreck. Anyway, that's about it for me. I mean, if you want to talk Gulak real quick, I mean, what a surprise that was. I didn't see that. No one saw that coming. Yeah, totally. No one saw that coming at all. But, you know, honestly, the way that Drew Gulak has been, you know, used on TV, I thought for sure he was going to resign. And people saying that WWE released Gulak, I'm going to say Gulak, Dulac, but that's totally wrong. Drew Gulak, that is just dumb. It's obviously known that he didn't want to re-sign with WWE with whatever reason he had. But I just thought it was a little odd he didn't re-sign with, after having that great match with uh, Daniel Bryan on SmackDown. This came to a total shock to me, and I would think the whole wrestling world overall. He has coached some people in the past. I wouldn't be surprised if at one point he returns to, you know, maybe teach the guys at developmental, if you can even call it that anymore. But I think that he would one day make a good coach, you know, just overall, like he can train pretty much anybody. But this came to a total shock to me, but also I believe to you. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't hear anything about him at all. No deal, not coming back, you know, whatever it might be. I heard zero. I mean, I, I saw nothing on any, you know, dirt sheet, online source, whatever it might be. So that was very surprising. My next question, last one of the night. Shoot. Is Drew Gulak AEW Bob? Oh, you know, I thought about this, and it, in all honesty, I think it would make sense. It would or wouldn't? I didn't quite hear you. It would. Would, <laughs> W-O-O-D. <laughs> yes, exactly how it's spelled. <laughs> but, you know, with well, having Drew yeah, as a big well, name on SmackDown, I, I mean, I think it would just make sense. Where else would he go? I mean, yeah, he's a exactly. known name, and there wouldn't be anything better that to for AEW to do than grab a WWE star who was just recently on television, like a week ago, and put him on TV. I mean, 
that would be that would be the biggest shockwave so far. Besides, Mark. I think it would. I think it would be. You know, I don't really know how to word this, but it would be somewhat of the equivalent of you know having guys like Razor Ramon and Diesel on, you know, Monday Night Raw one night and then being on WCW the next week or so. I think it would sort of make sense like that. You know, Drew Gulak is obviously a big player. He's been on TV, I I would say, every single week of the pandemic era. So for them to lose a guy like Drew Gulak, and especially if he's going to AEW, I would assume if he is, he's going to be in that casino uh, ladder match because they want to announce the two last competitors like on that night of the match. So for them, if they do announce Drew Gulak, I think that would pretty much somewhat shock the wrestling world. I think it would be very unexpected. And I say Drew Gulak being someone who was on TV recently. You know, guys like Zack Ryder, guys like Rusev, obviously they've been away for however many weeks or whatever, however long it's been. But having someone so recently on WWE programming and then eventually going to be on AEW television, I mean, if they could get their hands on Gulak, I think that would just be phenomenal for them. A big snag. Yeah, like I said, I mean, they want a war. I mean, that's how you start one. You get someone who was just so so recently on that TV show and get him on your show, it doesn't get any bigger than that. And you know, Double or Nothing is this Saturday, which we will re- um, cover. But I think it would only make sense. I don't know really what else to say, but I just I, thought you were I noted that. On that but... No. <laughs> no. But, uh, yeah, you, you, we couldn't have said it better. I mean, would you be surprised if it was cool? I think it's going to be either Rusev or uh, Zack Ryder for the uh, match, or both of them. I think there's two spots he said, so both of them. So what do you think? Yeah, I texted you. I said, if I, I saw on Twitter, I'm never on Twitter, but I get notifications. They said, I think AEW on Twitter, that they wanted to announce the last two competitors the night of. So, I texted you, if I had to take two guesses, I would say that it's Rusev and Zack Ryder. But I'm pretty set on Rusev being in the match. But in all honesty, I think Drew Gulak is going to be that other competitor. Hmm. Things can change. Cards subject to change. People forget that. That is true. That is true. People most certainly forget that so we're going a little long here we'll talk more AEW on wednesday of course or thursday sorry when you hear it so uh be sure to follow us on our social medias of course being twitter and instagram at j and j wrestling pod be sure to listen to us and follow us on spotify you find us j and j wrestling podcast be sure to listen to our previous 14 and a half episodes of course our half including our money in the bank review and many more pay-per-views to come in the foreseeable future. I was going to see coming weeks. I just saw, I just said, you know, uh, more to come earlier. So anyway, in the foreseeable future, we're going to have more pay-per-view reviews, of course. And uh, Justin, I know the line you're about to say, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Anything else you have to say before I bid the people adieu? That's you know what's funny? Way. I almost what? didn't even say it, but now that you said it, it's true. Choo- I am.
I don't even know who that is. But anyway, stay safe, everybody. I still got to send you it. We'll, we'll see you on Thursday for our review of the Wednesday Night Wars, AEW versus NXT. See you then. See you later.